0: Well, good morning. Good Good to see each and every one of you. Thank you for braving the snow to be here today to celebrate the 38th birthday of Shepherd's Gate. And uh, once again, if you're a guest with us, thank you so much for being here. If this is your first time uh, together today, you really get to see what this church is all about. You get to hear about the history of this place and what God has done in and through the people of Shepherd's Gate over so many years. And uh, as Pastor Craig said, we're actually live streaming this service right now for the very first time and so I want to say hi to Jim who's watching from Texas, uh, Joyce and Jerry who are vacationing in Mexico who are watching, and Mike and Christine who are about to board a Disney cruise, but first they're gonna watch this service in Puerto Rico. So hi all of you, so glad that we have the technology to do this. So we are very grateful to Kurt Perkins and his team and all of those that have put in so many hours behind the scenes to make this a reality. Uh, Also for our sick and shut-ins that they're able to be part of our services each and every week, our entire worship services. And today we're continuing a series of messages that we started in January called Value Everyone. And uh, this is our fifth week in the series and I know these last three weeks have been very hard-hitting messages. And I just want you to know that every single one of those speakers, I told them, I said, don't you back off from preaching God's word. In fact, the analogy that I said is if you could just hit us between the eyes with a two-by-four, that would be great. And so that's what's happened as Michael Spencer was here, as Pastor Chris Bodley was here, and then last week as Pastor John Crawl uh, brought the house down. So just very grateful for all of them that today, uh, even though we're not going to have as intense of a topic, it's still extremely important and really gives you an idea of what Shepherds Gate is all about as we talk about this concept of young and old and valuing every person that comes through our doors. And today, uh, what an opportunity for us to celebrate our 38th birthday. Maybe you're saying, well, why in the world are we celebrating our birthday? We didn't do this last year. I don't think we did this the year before. Maybe I was here, maybe I wasn't. Why don't you just wait until you're 40? And here's the reason, because in order to understand where we are going, we have to first understand where we have been And we have to understand the DNA of this church. We have to understand how God has been watching and leading, guiding this church for years. And some of you are so new to this congregation that you don't maybe know the history. You don't realize the incredible DNA that's been handed to us. And so I'm going to go over some of that with you this morning, starting with this. That this entire church started when a young pastor who was only 44 years old with a young family was actually pastoring one of the largest congregations in our denomination, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. It was Trinity down on Hall Road and and, uh, Van Dyke. And he was preaching to over 1,600 people each week. He had a huge staff. He had a huge budget. He had everything that he could possibly need at his disposal. Yet for some reason, God was stirring something in his heart that this wasn't the end for him that he wasn't just supposed to stay here and just pastor this large church. And so God began to do something in his heart and in his mind and began to stir him to launch out and to move north and to actually plant a church. And so he went around and he talked to some families at the church and wouldn't you know, seven families came together and they stepped out in faith and they planted Shepherd's Gate Church 38 years ago. It's absolutely incredible. When you think about it. And really his drive and his calling from God and his passion was to reach people nobody else was reaching. To do things nobody else would do in a worship service. A church that wasn't bound by having to do church a certain way or stick to a certain mold. Or have to you know, do programming or ministry by this way or that way. The sky was the limit on how we could do ministry. In fact, the founders created a saying where they would literally do anything short of sin to reach people who were far from God or people who didn't know God. Think about that. A A place where people who weren't raised in the church or had biblical knowledge or any of those things could come to worship and feel at home and feel comfortable and feel like this is a place where they could belong. In fact, the actual model was this. Anything short of sin to bring them in. Isn't that nice? And I am very grateful for this model because it allows us to do almost anything in our church. It's why we do the ministries that we do. It's why you constantly see us trying to come up with new things and do things that other churches aren't doing. And maybe we are doing a program. Sometimes there's times when we have to let those go to start other things that God would lead us to do. It all goes back to the beginning of what God has called this church to do. In fact, this pastor that I'm referring to, his name was B. Dale Thomas, And he left the comforts of a huge church to begin this church. And he actually left us a gift before he passed away. He left us a gift with his dissertation. And so it's this thick document that actually gives you the entire history of the beginning of our church. And I want you to see the first couple of lines from his dissertation. This is what he wrote. I thank God. I want you to think about this. For the valley of discouragement and disillusionment out of which came a vision of an alternate style of ministry based on a specific philosophy of ministry. You see, God had to take him through a process. He had to to speak to his heart. And you see this so often in Scripture that God will take men and women and they'll have them go through these difficulties. They'll have them go through these intense burdens and pains because God's getting ready to birth something in them, something bigger than themselves, something that seems impossible to the human eye or to the human logic. But with God, all things are possible In fact, later on in his dissertation, he said, the ability to refine and change these individual points to meet changing needs of the people is one of the signs that the congregation is not dead, but a living, redemptive community. And we believe that to be true of our church today, don't we, congregation? See, really, truly, this church started with seven families. The first official private church service of Shepherd's Gate Lutheran Church was held on February 3rd, 1980 with 28 very committed souls present. This is what it says. We met twice and sometimes three times a week. We alternated meeting in one another's homes and enjoyed an agape brunch every Sunday after the service. And my question is, why did we ever stop that? (laughs) I don't even know what an agape brunch is, but it sounds wonderful. And how many of you think we should bring it back? (laughs) All right, awesome. This is the start of our church. 38 years ago, our church was born. And I want you to imagine with me seven families, 28 people packed into a living room after leaving the comforts of their large church with open Bibles and open hearts, committed to putting all of their time, all of their energy And yes, even their hard-earned money into starting Shepherds Gate. Seven families who committed being in worship every single week, which would be hard to miss when there's only seven families, right? (laughs) Seven families who were committed to going back to their homes at night and being part of a house church, a small group family. Seven families that would gather again during the week for Bible study because they understood the importance of being in God's word and being led By his spirit through his word. These are families who worked full time jobs, had small children to raise, businesses to run, even sports and other activities for their kids. Guess what? Their lives were just as crazy as some of our lives are today, yet they stayed faithful to the mission. And I want to be clear this morning, none of these families were wealthy by any stretch of the imagination, or even families where only one spouse had to work. In fact, almost all of them, both mom and dad, husband and wife, both had jobs, both had careers, both had things that they were responsible for, but yet they committed so sacrificially to giving that they didn't want Pastor Thomas or his family to go without, so they matched the salary that he had at the church that he came from. Think about that. And when they came here, some of their kids were in private school. They were in the school at Trinity. And so when they came here, they actually lost their tuition discount. And so they had to pay more for their kids to continue to go to private school. Would you say this morning that our founding members were all in for the church? Could we just say that, that us sitting here today, we get to reap the benefits of their sacrifice, of their hard work, of the time and the energy that they poured in to establishing this place? What I want to ask you this morning, when did you become part of Shepherd's Gate history? You see, we all have a part to play. For some of us, God has led us to this place for a long, long time. Others of you, you may be brand new, and this is all new to you, and you've only been here a few months, maybe even a few weeks. Do you know how long you've attended Shepherd's Gate? Do you remember when you became a member If you don't, you can call the church office and they'll tell you, okay? What is it that led you here? And maybe you left for a season and God brought you back. What is it that keeps you coming back to Shepherd's Gate? What is it about this place that keeps drawing you in? You see, we are all part of Shepherd's Gate history. We are all part of filling the pages day by day, week by week, month by month, and year by year, continuing to write the the history of this incredible church And so this morning as we turn to our Bibles, as we look to God's Word, I want you to look at this text through the eyes of the founding members, okay? I want you to pretend that you're smashed into a living room with all of these people And you're opening this Bible, and you know when you start a church, one of the things you have to do is come up with a name for a church. And some of you are wondering, where in the world did this name Shepherd's Gate come from? Because not many people have the name Shepherd's Gate, and you're going to find out today. So I invite you, turn to the Chair Bibles, 896. If you have your own Bible, it's John chapter 10. And if you have a Bible app on your phone, you're more uh, than welcome to use that this morning. But we're going to look at John chapter 10, verses 1 to 21. And to give you a little context, Jesus is teaching uh, and he's, he's actually answering questions of the Pharisees and the Pharisees were the uh, teachers of the law. These were the educated individuals and they weren't too happy that Jesus was going around spreading his message and claiming to be the Messiah. And so you can imagine there's a little bit of a conflict and so he's responding to them and in verse 1 he says, Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought all of his own, he goes before them and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger that they will not follow. But they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. Well, this figure of speech Jesus used with them, they did not understand what he was trying to say. So imagine he's telling them this story and these are educated people. These are the people that understand the scriptures and they're kind of perplexed and they're not really sure what Jesus means in the story. And so if you've ever had that happen where you read a portion of scripture and you're like, wow, I don't understand what this means, guess what? You are not alone. And just for clarification here, this whole concept of a sheepfold is simply this. Uh, At this time, they would take stones and they would make these huge barriers, these huge circles. And and basically, they didn't have a roof on them, but they would try to make them high enough so that predators couldn't get in and attack and kill the sheep. And so you find these things all over uh, during this time period. And it wasn't uncommon for many shepherds to use the same sheepfold. They would put all of these sheep in there. And it's kind of incredible to think that the next morning when the shepherd would show up, that even though sheep aren't the most intelligent uh, animal on the planet, that they would recognize who their shepherd was. They would recognize his voice, and only those sheep would come out and follow that shepherd. He didn't have to push them, but they would follow that shepherd to pasture so that they could graze and then go back into the sheepfold. And so here you have these religious leaders that are scratching their head. They're not really getting the point of Jesus' story. So he goes on to say in verse 7 Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. And I'll stop right there because you guys are all reading in the. Eastern or the uh, ESV version of the Bible, which is the English Standard Version. Now, before here at Shepherd's Gate, we used to have a different version called the NIV, the New International Version. And in the New International Version, which I have up here, the words are actually, I am the gate for the sheep. You starting to make the connection? And so, as these folks are in Bible studies, their founding members are studying God's Word, all of a sudden they're reading this going, Wait a second, gate, sheep, shepherd. Gate. And that continues on by saying, um, where is it at? So he says to them, truly, truly, I am the door. I am the gate of the sheep. All who come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the gate. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. And that is why we are called shepherds' gates. He tells them, look, I'm the gate. He's telling the religious leaders. He repeats the theme of these thieves and robbers that have tried to come in from all these different ways or get the sheep to scatter in different directions. And he's really calling them the thieves and the robbers. They're just not yet picking up on it. And he even takes it up a notch and he tells them that the only way they are going to be saved is through him. And as you can imagine, this angered them. This was the last thing that they wanted to hear. They wanted to keep their establishment. They wanted things to continue the way that they were going. But Jesus went on to say, The thief comes only to steal and to kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Verse 14, I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me, just as the Father knows me and I know the Father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. This is so powerful for us today. And these are words of encouragement For every single one of us, whether you've been a Christian your whole life or you're just exploring this whole thing, listen, God loved you so much. He sent Jesus Christ to die for you. He laid down his life for you. He went to the cross for you and for me. And this whole concept of other sheep, that's us. That was his way of floating that out there once again for the disciples that this gospel, this this saving message isn't just for the Jewish community. This is for everyone regardless of age, regardless of race, regardless of ethnicity, regardless of wherever you've come from. This message is really truly for everyone. And in verse 17, for this reason the Father loves me because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. Think of the control that Jesus has, right? No one takes it from me. But I lay it down of my own accord. I have the authority to lay it down. I have the authority to take it up again. This charge, and I love this word, charge, I have received from my Father. And we know Jesus' charge was to go into this world to find people who were lost, who were broken, those that, that needed a physician, those that needed help, and those that needed to be rescued. And he met with them right where they were at and he offered his grace and his mercy And so this church starts with that foundation, with that understanding that our mission is to seek out those that think they're not good enough for church, to seek out those that maybe feel like they're never going to be welcomed in a church, to seek out those that don't even know anything about the Bible or God and invite them here. And we as the Shepherd's Gate family will walk alongside them. We will tell them about the gospel. We will proclaim God's word and the good news to them that they might become saved. See, so often for us, it's the complexity of our world that we live in. It's the dangers that we face each and every day that prompt us to seek safety and security from other sources. Did you know that? And even though God reminds us over and over again, I will take care of you, I will provide for you, I will give you everything that you need every single day of your life, sometimes we doubt that. Sometimes we get concerned about that. And so what we start doing is we start seeking our our safety and our security through our bank accounts. Or we look for our security and safety through our status or through our education or through our possessions. Others might even look to the government and say, well, look at our, they'll protect me. They're going to lead and guide me. Yet none of these things or any other created entity can guarantee our safety and our security. The only thing that guarantees our safety and our security is Jesus Christ, our living Savior and Lord, who is the gate for us. Only Christ provides that ultimate protection. And so it's no wonder to me that when this church was founded on being in weekly worship, so much so that this was their rule. You were only allowed to miss worship if you were in the hospital, if you were really, really sick, or you were dead. That was it, all right? That was the rule for our congregation. No wonder they understood the value of Bible study. And being in your own personal Bible study and reading God's word and and being entrenched in his word because this is how God speaks to us. No wonder they understood being in community with other Christians and being part of a small group or a house church. Because the devil comes in and he comes in and he tries to divide us. He tries to get the sheep out by themselves instead of being connected to each other and encouraging each other as God has called us to do as his sheep. And this is why ministry at Shepherd's Gate since day one and will continue into the future, has always been for every age and every stage and every season of life. If you want to know who our target audience is at Shepherd's Gate, you ready for this? Everyone. Say everyone with me. Everyone. Makes it easy, doesn't it? We are to seek and to save those that don't yet know Christ. And because God has drawn a circle around us, because he is... He has allowed us to experience this grace and mercy. He has now called us to go and extend that same grace to others. You see, this church has always been about making people feel warm and welcome. Everyone that comes through the doors, no matter your story. This church has always been about discipleship and helping people understand the value of being connected to our God. And this church has always been about reaching people who don't know God. That's our DNA. And if you're new this morning, that's what this congregation is all about. But see what can so easily happen in a church and a church our size after 38 years of of doing this and watching God's hand of provision is we can look around and we can go wow this seems like enough people, right? Like there's some empty chairs here and there, but I don't really want to be squished on Sunday morning. I kind of like a little elbow room. Some of these people in here are weird, right? And we kind of get comfortable and we look around and we think, well, do we really need to grow? Is that really what God has called us to do? Or I don't want to be a part of a church if you're just going to start talking about growing all the time now or if that's this or that. But that really, truly is very selfish and inwardly focused. God has called all of us to reach out to those that don't yet know him. In fact, it was September of 2000. In 16, I got a call from one of our founding members. He said, hey, I want to meet with you. I was like, you want to meet with me? He said, yeah, I want to meet with you. This is a founding member that when I first came here, almost 15 years ago now, that I was here as a student director. He reached out to me and for whatever reason, he invested in my life. He wanted to meet with me. And so we had this great relationship for several years. Even when Lisa and I first got married, he and his wife would have us over his house for dinner and he was just always just pouring into me and as we began to have kids, our relationship kind of grew distant, which is normal. you got schedules, those kind of things happen. So it was kind of out of the blue that all of a sudden I'm hearing from him. So here it is September, and uh, he says, I want to meet you at the Starbucks across the street from the church. And I said, okay. And it's like 90 degrees outside, and I pulled up, and he's sitting outside at the cafe table. His name's Bob Heydrich. He's like eight feet tall, okay, and he has the voice of God, okay, if any of you remember him or recognize him. Uh, And I was like, Bob, can we go inside? He's like, No, sit down. And I said, Okay, yes, sir. (laughs) And uh, he had a Manila folder uh, on the table, and we had a little bit of chit chat, which pretty much, how are you doing? Fine. How are you doing? Fine. And uh, I said to him, I said, Okay, well, uh, you know, what what are what are we doing here? What what are we uh, meeting about? And he said, Well, I have some concerns about your last sermon. And he goes, I've actually gone online and I've listened to it three times, and he says it's not very good. And I want to help you. I want to, and I was like, jeez. You know, uh, constructive feedback can be, you know, can come in many shapes and forms. But here's the thing. If you know Bob, if any of you know Bob, he can have this harsh exterior but be the softest guy on the inside. And if you know that Bob loves you, you receive what he says in love. And with grace and his mercy. And so I knew exactly what he was getting at. I knew exactly what he was trying to do in this situation. And thankfully, had the relationship with him. In fact, the next sermon that I preached, I had Bob in the back of my mind the whole time. I don't know why. (laughs) And and after my sermon, I get this text message while I'm at home. and And it says... This was his text message to me. Yes, yes, today we met our God through the words he gave you. All who heard met God today, followed by four exclamation points. And I was like, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> and then a few weeks later, my phone beeps again. And I was like, oh, it's Bob. And he sends me this text message. I want to spend some time with you. I want to grow God's kingdom. How are you and I going to do that? I was like, Bob, I have a job. I don't need another job, right? So here he is like saying, okay, you and I are going to figure this out. You and I are going to figure out how to rev this back up at Shepherd's Gate. And so we began to meet almost every three weeks we began to meet. and We began to talk about things like seeking and saving the lost and doing anything short of sin to, to bring them in. And what does that look like? What does that mean for us? And so we met again and again and again from September to October to November into December and then here's the crazy part. After our last meeting that we had together, and we began to putting plans and what this would look like, and we were starting the transition, I didn't know if I was going to be the new lead pastor or not, so I was like, you know, we kind of got to wait to see how everything shakes out, if I'm still at Shepherd's Gate and all that. And yet God called him home to be with him. His work was done. And it's right, Bob, because his work was done. But that means it's time for us to pick up the mantle. It's time for us to charge for it. It's time for us to continue the mission that this church has always had. In fact, I want you to read, I want you to listen to this, and I want you to tell me if you think this is true of our church. It says, In a day and age when there is so much loneliness, Shepherds Gate pledges to go beyond the mere words, I love you. We offer to all persons a warm, loving fellowship where relationships receive our priority attention. In a day when there is so much uncertainty, we offer a specific plan that works. You can discover new confidence to face life, a security about eternal life, and spiritual growth that will be rich and fulfilling. Doesn't that sound nice? In these last days, we unite to lead thousands to Jesus Christ as their personal Savior and to a new life of peace, joy, and hope through the Holy Spirit. Our unflagging zeal is motivated by our intense belief that God is well and doing great things in our lives. We refuse to think small or negatively about tomorrow. We are not a carbon copy of every other church in the area. What would you say about that this morning? Would you agree with that, congregation? That was written by the founding pastor shortly after he started Shepherd's Gate. And it's crazy to me how real... And, and valuable that is for us today. Shepherd's Gate, as we look into the future of our church, my, ch- my prayer is that we continue to reignite that passion and that drive that this place has always had for the lost. And I get it, we just went through a major transition. We just had a whole lot of things that we had to do last year to bring our church together. And wouldn't you know, God provided each and every way. In fact, many of you, you received a packet in the mail the last couple of days. If you haven't received the packet, it's probably coming tomorrow or Tuesday. And part of that packet was just telling you about what God has been doing in and through you. And it kind of looks like this. It talked about how our giving was the largest giving we've ever had in 2000. It's crazy. As you might remember, we were just trying to hit $1.6 million budget. I would have been doing backflips if we would have hit $1.6 million and one cent but you guys thought that that wouldn't be good enough, so you said, let's go closer to 1.7, and you did. You gave sacrificially. And because you gave sacrificially, we were able to donate more to missions and charities because missions and charities is based on 13% of everything that we bring in in our general fund giving. We had so many guests come through our door. And one of the other things that we've been strategically doing as a church since 2010 is paying down our debt. And many, many, many of you have been part of this. And as I've gone around on my house church tours last year, I've visited 28 different small groups. And over and over again, when I asked the question, what do you love most about Shepherd's Gate? Or what do you think have been some of the greatest accomplishments of our church in the last 37 to 38 years? People said that we're strategically paying down our debt. And they said to me, Tim, why don't you bring it up in church? Why don't you tell people? Because so many people are new now. Maybe they want to jump on board. Maybe they want to help us kill our debt. And so you also received a card, a no debt except love card that looks like this, that maybe if you're not part of this yet, you would want to jump on board with those who are sacrificially giving. Because it's, uh, I get to give you the good news this morning, all right? Here's, here's where we were in March of 2010. Our loan was almost $3.3 million, and our interest rate was 5.25%. If we would have never have started this campaign, if people weren't giving above and beyond their tithes and their offerings to pay down our debt, currently we would have over $2.3 million in debt. And we would be paying on this note until 2030, which would be our 50th birthday. All right, But because of the generous people of Shepherd's Gate, who time and time again always rise to the challenge, from March until the end of last year, members have contributed over almost close to $1.2 million dollars. Just last year, people gave over $300,000. And again, remind, I want to remind you, this is above and beyond their tithes. This isn't just shifting from general fund to no debt except love. This is above and beyond their tithes and their offerings. And this is in addition to the $19,000 that we pay as a church monthly toward this. And so here, I want you to see this. In case you don't like numbers, okay? You can see the graph here that we would have been on the projection there for 2030, but thanks be to God, we're looking at 2020. And maybe you don't like this graph, maybe you like Pac-Man or video games, here you go, right? Okay? So we've paid down all of this principle and I'm so privileged that I get to tell you today that we are now under $1 million in debt. That is incredible, church. And so today, our balance is $987,000. God provided uh, for us to have an interest rate of 3.25, which is another whole story in and of itself. And today, if God would put it on your heart, maybe you would want to join this movement and be part of this. It's not a pressure thing. Whatever God would lay on your heart to be part of this, that maybe we could have this thing paid off by the time we turn 40, and it would literally free up $228,000 a year. Because here's the truth, church. With all the good stuff going on, we also have our challenges. And as you know, our goal has been to be as open and honest as transparent with you about everything here at Shepherd's Gate. And so the other side of the card that you're going to receive in the mail gives you these statistics. That even though our church attendance was up 3% and we got to do McRest again and we started Step Out and Serve again last year, that our kids' ministry, student ministry, and care ministry are at all-time low numbers in fact, they have the worst numbers on record here at Shepherds Gate. And so when we pray for staff people, you know why. When we, when we cry out to God and say, God, we need to address these issues. We need to figure out what's going on with our kids and our students. Thanks be to God, Carol Reschke is our new care director that started in December and she's going to be working hard to turn that around. But that's the reality of what we're looking at. See, here's the thing. We do have work to do. We have staff positions to fill. We have ministries to rebuild But I'm so grateful that God, through Jesus, said to his disciples in Matthew 16, 18, I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And if you'll notice, it's Jesus that's speaking, and it's him saying, I will build my church. Shepherd's Gate is God's church. It always has been. It always will be. And he's calling us to be faithful to his mission And if there's anything that we can learn today from the founding members of this church is that they put it all on the line for the gospel because they were faithful to the mission. And I wanted you to hear from them today as well. And so we put a video together and I want you to watch this because I know it's going to have an impact on your lives. Let's watch this together.
1: 1980, the year that brought us the Rubik's Cube, Pac-Man, and the eruption of Mount St. Helens. But a group of seven area families were paying too much attention to the trends of the outside world.
2: We were too engrossed about the church, about our mission
1: here, what God had called us to do. That church would become Shepherd's Gate. The group was made up of 14 adults and 14 kids. The Thomases, the Vetters, the Todds, the Hydricks, the Rosses, the Culvers, and the Shindaheddies. It began with an idea from Dale Thomas, who was the pastor at Trinity Lutheran.
3: The Lord led him to feel that he needed to start a different type of service, an alternative kind of style of worship.
2: We opened the church to people who weren't comfortable in a traditional service.
3: We had a, just a different mindset of who we wanted to reach. Well, Dale Thomas said there are some marks in Van Dyke where I had my heels in the pavement as they dragged me down here to 23.
1: But that was just the very beginning. <laughs> Many reservations quickly faded for the original seven, and they were all in on this new venture.
2: Pastor Thomas, when he would talk to you, uh, I don't think he realized how much of a motivator he was. And uh, anytime he would share something, we could just feel his enthusiasm when he shared it, and it was on fire. We just felt he was such an honest person,
3: and we felt he was right in what he was saying.
1: The first services started in the homes of the seven members. You could say it was the original house church. And on a shoestring budget, those families did it all. We went door to door,
3: knocking
0: on people's doors and inviting them to Shepherd's Gate.
3: When we took communion, that we made the, our own wafers uh, because we didn't have money to go out and buy And Marilyn was a lot the of wafers. And Marilyn was the one that, because they, she was a home ec teacher. Home ec teacher. Uh, She's she's not just a pretty face, she's smart.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Now not all the neighbors liked this idea of the house church, and after a complaint was filed, members decided it was time to move and grow. They went to Shelby Junior High. That was a place that worked for everything, and
3: we were able to hold our services there. Um, It wasn't ideal. I think
1: it was a Monday,
2: Thursday service, we were at, uh, I think it was Disco, and we had the lower area by the stage was where we had our service. But up a little higher, square dancers were there. So he had to share Monday, Thursday with square dancers.
1: <laughs> After outgrowing the middle school, they found the piece of land where Shepherd's Gate now sits and began the building project.
2: Every time we needed something God provided from somebody or something, the funds needed to accomplish it.
1: Through the years, Shepherd's Gate has changed, has had different pastors, different members, different celebrations but the original seven families have forever left their mark on this place. He's an amazing God and he blessed us abundantly. If I felt any more blessed,
3: I'd be a sinner. <laughs> uh, a few people can start something that they really believe in. And they think, is it ever gonna go anywhere? You know, it's just us, us you know? And then you come here to Shepherds, and see what it is now, it's just amazing. I
2: wish that everybody that lives could have the kind of experience or the kind of people with the love of Jesus Christ that we had. You were young then. We were young. 35. We young. Yes. young and a little idealistic, maybe, but God kept us under control.
1: You're still young? Yeah.
2: yeah. That
0: hurt. <laughs> Amen. Here's the final challenge for you, church. As you see on the screens there, what part of Shepherd's Gate history is God calling you to write? Maybe you're brand new. This is the perfect time to jump on board. Be part of what he's doing. Be part of this movement. Maybe you've been here a long time and you've been disengaged and now God, through this service, is calling you to become reengaged in what he is doing in this place. It takes all of us, all of us to do this. And I'm so thankful for, th- for these families, six of these seven that are still part Of this church and for Ruth Thomas who is Pastor B Dale Thomas's wife she's going to close us in prayer today so Ruth will you take us out this morning
3: dear Lord Heavenly Father these seven families feel so grateful and yet so humble to have been chosen by you to start the mission congregation Shepherd's Gate thank you for blessing us in so many ways through the years some of our spouses have gone to our heavenly home but their legacy lives on as we celebrate the 38th birthday of Shepherd's Gate. We praise you, Lord, for the people of this church as they come out to work, they carry out the work of the ministry you give to us today. It takes many volunteers, and we praise you for those who step forward to serve. We praise you, Lord, for the people who go to the mission field, both at home and abroad, to share the good news of salvation to others. We praise you, Lord, for the young people and the children of this congregation as they are the future of the church. Keep them close to you through your word. We praise you, Lord, for the staff as they carry out the day-to-day duties of Shepherd's Gate and are always there so helpful to all of us in many ways. And we praise you, Lord, for our pastors. Pastor Craig, Pastor John, and Pastor Tim, as they preach your word so boldly and yet with love, as we hear their message, we are brought closer to you in our daily walk. We ask, Lord, that you continue to bless us as a congregation to show love to all who come through our doors of the church. Help us to show the warmth is great at Shepherd's Gate through our word and our actions. You are so faithful to us, Lord. Help us to be faithful to you in telling others of all you have done and continue to do in our lives, so that many that so that they may know you as their personal Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Thank you for who you are, Lord, and allowing us to be your servants. Amen.